Hi there, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 6th of February, 2019 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. Happy Year of the Pig for those of you celebrating, and may the year bring you blessings and joy. After this holiday, it will be time to get back to our work and our studies and the rest of the year. Schools in Hong Kong will be back in session on Monday, and the kids will be rested up and ready to soak up new knowledge. Or at least, that's what the teachers are hoping. As we send them off to school this week, we'll be listening to a story from Jen about her attempts to get students to read. After Jen's story, we'll hear a short piece from Austin about what he gets up to in the wee hours of the morning. Before the stories, though, we'd like to express our thanks to the wonderful and supportive hometown audience we have in Hong Kong. Not only do they support the podcast, but they also come in and see our live shows. Thanks go out, too, to our international listeners, especially listeners in Mooney Ponds in Australia, Tai Chung in Taiwan, Yangon in Myanmar, and Pretoria in South Africa. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears. Our January show was once again sold out and very well received. The audience contains some familiar faces and quite a few new ones too. In February, the show will be held at the Fringe Club on the 27th and the theme will be Direction Unknown. Get your tickets through the link on hongkongstories.com. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than comedy. It's better than drama. It's real life. And now from our special November show, which was part of the Hong Kong International Literary Festival in November 2018, here is Jen. Keith, sit up properly and read. Across the library reading area from me, 13-year-old Keith is slouched so far down on the sofa that his head is clinging to the backrest, and his book is flat on his belly. At my rebuke, he slowly sits up, holds up his book, and stares out the window. This is classic. Every week, I take my students to the library for half a period of free reading. Anything they want. No book reports, no exams attached. A few of them get into it and are eager readers, but most of them think that I bring them there to torture them. What they don't know is that they're actually torturing me. I love reading. Reading is adventure and escape, solace, right? Well, they don't agree. And I know that in Hong Kong, exams are king. And most of them think that reading is just something you do to get through a test. But that's why I give them this wonderful gift of freedom to read whatever they want just for pleasure. And yet they resist it. I'm not alone in this struggle. There are signs of it everywhere literally in the case of a Catholic primary school that I recently walked by. Outside the school was a huge banner with letters proclaiming, we love reading, and it was crammed with pictures of kids in groups or sitting alone, each child with a book. When I looked closely, I realized that some of the kids seemed to be chatting with each other. Others are like my Keith, staring off into the middle distance. And then I notice that the books are actually hovering in front of the children because they've been photoshopped into the banner. To cap it all off, there's one kid fixed behind a book that's propped up so that you can see the title. 
And apparently this young Catholic scholar was reading The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins. So it's a bit of a struggle. I'm sure that these people are sincere in their effort to try and get people to read, but the fact that they couldn't scare up any actual footage of their students with books in their hands shows you how dire the situation is. I don't give up, though. I try to use coming-of-age stories with my students because I think that it'll interest them, something they can relate to. And I tried to do this with To Kill a Mockingbird a few years ago. I love this story. I love the humor. I love the characters. I love the way the evil of injustice is amplified by its description through a child witness. And I was sure that I could make my class of 14-year-olds love it too. I knew they'd need some background, and I also thought I might need to hype the book a bit. So for the more exam-oriented of them, I emphasized what an important and famous piece of literature it is. One girl, Sirius Natalie, looked at me and said, are you sure that everybody in Canada and America reads this book in high school? Absolutely. If you study overseas, everyone will have read this book. Serious Natalie and her clique exchanged glances. They all were dying to go to school in a place that looked like the, music, the high school musical school in that film. And, but they were really nervous about going overseas because there was always the fear of not fitting in. So, while they took this information in, I looked over and saw that Darren and Melody and some of the less academically inclined kids didn't look impressed. So to them, I said, and the reason people love it is because it's so exciting. It's kind of a mystery adventure story. And then I turned to my book to a section that I'd bookmarked near the front. So for example, the character Scout has this neighbor whom nobody ever sees because he only comes out at night. And the children say... He dined on raw squirrels and any cats he could catch. That's why his hands were bloodstained. If you ate an animal raw, you could never wash the blood off. Sirius Natalie looked horrified. But so did Darren and Melody, and they were leaning forward in their seats to hear more. So now that I had them hooked, we did a little kind of a history-ish lesson on the American South and the Civil Rights Movement, and we were ready to go on. I told the class to read the first chapter and get ready for the next lesson. The next day, I was mobbed by a group led by Darren and Melody as I walked into the classroom. They were asking me if we could read the chapter aloud in class. Well, I often did read aloud, so it was not pretty normal, and I wasn't as suspicious about that request as I should have been. I started with Melody because she'd been one of the ones asking, but suddenly she seemed unenthusiastic and really determined to rush through her bit. After a few rapid paragraphs, I told her to stop and asked for volunteers. Hands shot up all around the room. Wow, I thought, they're really into this. I called on Jeremy, who sat near the back and never volunteered for anything. He picked up where Melody left off. We were too old to settle an argument with a fist fight, so we consulted Atticus. Whoa, Jeremy, slow down, honey. We stop where we pause for commas and full stops. But after a few rapid-fire paragraphs, I had to stop him, too. Again, hands shot up, and this time kids were literally lifting themselves out of their seats in an effort to get their hands in the air as high as possible. I called on Darren, but warned him that he should take his time. Okay, Miss Horgus, I will. And there were some chuckles around the classroom. 
He started off a little bit faster than I would have liked, but he slowed right down when he got to the top of page four. Atticus urged them to, to, to take the state's generosity and to plead guilty to second-degree murder and escape with their lives, but they were Haverfords. In Maycomb County, a name synonymous with jackass! And the class exploded with laughter. I told Darren to stop, and again, hands went up all around the room. I scanned through the paragraph. Sure enough, four lines down was the phrase, son of a bitch. I tried to call on Natalie, who just did not have her hand up. But she just gave me a dead-eyed stare and shook her head. So I called on one of the less manic-looking kids with their hand up and thought, at least it'll be over soon. After that paragraph, nobody else wanted to read for the rest of the lesson. The good news is they had all read the chapter, and they continued reading actively all the way to the end of the novel, just not for the reasons that I'd hoped. It was not one of my more glorious moments as a teacher, but it has given me a new strategy. Now, when I'm faced with a reluctant reader like young Keith, I say, Keith, you don't look so happy with that book. So boring. Okay, okay, come with me and we head into the library shelves. I look for a book that I think will interest him, take it down, and start to flip through the pages. Hmm, I wonder why the librarian brought this book for his school. And as Keith leans over to look, I close it and say, Keith, I think this book might interest you, but there's some language in here that's really not appropriate for teenagers. If I let you read this book, will you promise me that you are not going to be using foul language all around school? He nods and takes the book. He's got it open and he's scanning the first page before he even gets back to his seat. I admit, this trick does not turn every kid into a lifelong reader. And it is a bit of a devious way to get a book into a child's hands, but it's way better than Photoshop. Thank you. Teachers have so many responsibilities that we can only applaud Jen's resourcefulness. If you want to tell your best story, you don't need remedial classes. Just join us at a free weekly workshop held every week here in Hong Kong. Come along with a story, a fragment, or just an idea, and our workshop host will help you to craft your story into the best that it can be. You can find further details on our website, at hongkongstories.com Now we have a teeny tiny story from Austin from the May 2017 show called 24-7 Here is Austin uh, In university I went to hear a lecture once by this professor of political philosophy He opened his talk the prelude to his talk with these 3 a.m in the morning, existential questions. I don't remember what the talk is about anymore. I'm sure it's something huge and uh, unresolvable and still probably unresolved today. But this uh, lead-in was so good that I still remember it. He talked about this 3 a.m. time when we're unsuspecting and unguarded and our global angst huddled together with our personal anxieties. and They decide to come visit. And they rob you. They rob you of your rest and composure. 
And I remember at the time, I'm thinking, I, I, don't, I don't know what he's talking about. Because if I'm up at 3 a.m., I want to be. I'm watching a triple feature movie or hang out with friends. And what questions? You know, maybe the only question was, do you, do you think we can still get pizza now? Or, <laughs> and, uh, and I thought, who, who lies awake at that hour thinking about the unsolvable? Uh, but now, it's almost 35 years later, and I know who they are, and I know what they think about. Thanks for listening to these stories brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. Hong Kong Stories is a not-for-profit society and is run by volunteers. Every month, one of our core members steps up to curate, cajole, and command our storytellers to put together a live show, which is recorded for this podcast. For the Hong Kong International Literary Festival, our storytellers stood in front of a sold-out audience of 200 people. Janita was the host and curator for this show, and we are grateful for all her efforts, and also for her help with scheduling and managing the Meetup page. Thanks, Janita. The music for this podcast was created and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell.